Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. This is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by Reality Sports Online. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by Pat Fitzmorris at Fitz underscore FF Fitzy. How was Canton, man? You just spent a full oh weekend, God. you know, getting a liver transplant, according to the Welsh, <laughs> uh, of course. So um, how, how was that? It looked like you had a great time there. Uh, I did. Yeah. And I just made a joke uh, on your show about needing a liver transplant. And your co-host thought I was mm. possibly serious about that and was getting one later this week. So, uh, no, I'm not actually getting one, but I did <laughs> feel like I needed one after I left. And, uh, you know, so many good conversations a lot of them over drinks. Uh, it was a blast. I bet it was a great time. I wish I could have been there. Couldn't make it this year. I'm hoping for next year. So uh, we'll see if I can get out there today. We're going to be talking about some of these big preseason lines. And to do that today, we have our fellow cohort from fantasy pros and dynasty nerds, Chad Workman, and please go check out his newly founded Filmalytics. Check out the Patreon get all the good stuff. Chad, you're doing fantastic work. Welcome to the show. Follow him in on the Twitter at tweets by Chad. How you doing, my man? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, I didn't make it out to Canton this year. I was there last year and I can attest to the, to the liver uh, comment. So <laughs> mine is, I think it is still recovering from a year ago. So I had to sit this one out, but um, yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be yeah. here. Of course, we got to go every other year there. Uh, we're going to dive into the preseason action here. But before that, I got to tell you about some stuff we got going over here, going on over here at Fantasy Pros. We have a giveaway for a Christian Watson autographed jersey we're doing right now. All you need to do, subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Take a screenshot. Submit that to fantasypros.com slash dynasty contest. That's fantasypros.com slash dynasty contest. And you're entered in to win. Do it as soon as possible because this does end at the end of the month. And we are already crossing the halfway line of August. It is unbelievable. The season is rapidly approaching us. And uh, look, get ready for your drafts with us. Come on over to fantasypros.com slash chat and uh, check out our Discord. It's free to enter, but premium Fantasy Pro subscribers get a whole bunch of other perks, like dozens of extra channels, regularly scheduled AMAs, interactive voice chats with our analysts. Want to talk fantasy whenever you want or chat with the Fantasy Pros analysts? Just check out our Discord at fantasypros.com slash chat. Again, that's fantasypros.com slash chat chad you are up first as the guest what is the biggest it, it, this could be positive it could be negative however you want to look at it what is the the biggest uh preseason story you want to dive into here yeah thanks for uh letting me kick it off here i'm going to start with Traylon burks he's been a pretty hot name throughout the entire offseason really since he was uh selected by the titans with the pick that they traded aj brown for uh, many viewed him as a really plug-and-play replacement to A.J. Brown. He drew some comparisons there um, in the pre-draft process and beyond. But, uh, you know, we went through the offseason with some asthma issues, uh, leaving practice, whether he was banged up or looking for his inhaler, uh, failing, you know, 
conditioning tests. And we know Mike Vrabel is a pretty hard-nosed, uh, tough-minded coach. So kind of questioning how he's going to deal with this stuff. Um, we get into the first preseason game, and Traylon Burks is not only playing behind Robert Woods and Nick Westbrook-Akine, who sat the game out, but he's also playing behind Des Fitzpatrick, remember him from last year, uh, Racy McMath, which is a real name, and <laughs> Kyle Phillips, who's a fellow rookie uh, playing out of the slot. So all of those guys are playing in front of Burks. He didn't even play until the third drive, and he played into the fourth quarter. So really, you know, on the surface, it's very concerning. Dig a little deeper. I watched a lot of the game tape, watched his routes that he ran. He was open on some plays. Uh, you know, I guess that's the issue of playing with a rookie quarterback. He he was open for what should have been a 60-plus down touchdown um, downfield. He ran some nice routes, finding soft spots in the, in the, you know, zone defense, things like that. And I thought he was pretty sharp on his routes, which was kind of an issue coming in, right? He was this guy that got a lot of manuf manufactured touches. So I thought it was really good to see those routes from him. Um, after the game, Vrabel had some quotes saying, you know, he was inconsistent and we need him to, to transfer the things he's doing in practice over to the games. I think Vrabel's being a little tough on him, you know, trying to push him a little bit. That's kind of Vrabel's style. So for me, you know, it's kind of been a roller coaster with this guy, right? And for me, it's like, okay, this reiterates we probably have to be patient with him. He's not going to replace A.J. Brown's production from day one. At the same time, I think he's doing some nice things and Vrabel is really pushing him because he believes he can get um, you know, to that wide receiver one level. So I think in dynasty, after all this, people are moving him up, moving him down. I think we're kind of back to where we started, maybe not quite that much hype, but really in the pre-draft process, I think we're back to where we started, uh, with Traylon Burks personally. Yeah. I love Traylon Burks. Uh, Fitz knows that I've been talking about him a lot. I've drafted him in many drafts as well. Uh, and it's funny, the difference in, dynasty of course he's going to be higher in dynasty but he's 26 uh and in redraft he's 45 so obviously a wide gap people believe in him but maybe not this year rookie years can be tough on wideouts but it's funny Fitzy and I were just talking about Mike Vrabel and like his harsh comments about Malik Willis too he is not an attaboy coach he's a well you're supposed to do, do it right the first time coach very hard nose, uh, but I, I'm in on Traylon Burks, and I think that this is more of a you miss mini camp, you miss part of training camp because uh, you know you weren't conditioned correctly, so you need reps. And I think that's why I believe it was Friedman. Um, uh, you know, I apologize if I'm mistaken and read so much stuff, but I believe it was Friedman that said that the last rookie wide receiver taken in the first or second round to play this many snaps in his first preseason game was Terry McLaurin over the last, and he's the only other one that played 30 or more snaps in the last decade. So it's not it's not something we see from these first-round wide receivers a lot, Fitz. Uh, what do you think about Traylon Burks? Are, are you, um, do you not like this step chart stuff for, for this season and beyond, or do you think, hey, he's a rookie, he need reps, who cares? It's just Mike Vrabel being a, a hard-nosed guy. No, man, I'm fine with it. Maybe it's a buying opportunity in redraft. In Dynasty, I would hope that no one would be uh, motivated to sell based on what we've seen so far. You wouldn't think so. Dynasty owners are usually smarter than that. And I know I was elated when Burks fell to me in my home Dynasty League at 111. And, uh, you know, just thought I got a tremendous deal. And with everything that's gone on with this, like, I'd still be delighted to get him at 111. Like, I think he's going to be good. I think he's just a beast physically. We know he has that kind of Debo Samuel game where he is just like, you know, a bully and really tough after the catch. Um, I'm not down on him at all. And, uh, you know, like Chad said, like there were times when he was open in that game and uh, Malik just couldn't get looking the ball. To, well, yeah, looking to pull it down and run. And and uh, as you said, Boggs, like he got chastised for that from uh, Vrabel. So what is not, it, Vrabel? Is it Malik Willis isn't throwing the ball enough or is Traylon Burks inconsistent? Right. Come on. You can't make fun of everybody here, right? Come on. Uh, let's yeah. get after it. Go you know, ahead, and, and can I add one more thing? Sure, Just, there's sure, a lot please. of talk about Kyle Phillips as well. And and I get it right. He's playing ahead of Traylon Burks right now, but they really play a different position, right? Yeah. Kyle Phillips is a slot player who's never going to play 
the role that they want Traylon Burks to play and vice versa. So, you know, I'd be more concerned if they threw Traylon Burks out there, um, you know, in the, in the Kyle Phillips role and, and just didn't ask him to do much. So um, I'd rather him be getting that work on the outside. It, it's really two entirely different positions. Absolutely. And look, Racy McMath making a, a little noise in camp here too, <laughs> mainly a special teams guy out of LSU, but uh, has been doing pretty well here. Uh, Fitz, who, what is the uh, big preseason story that you want to talk about here? I'm sort of cheating because this does not apply to anything on the field, but the Buc- uh, Buccaneers saga with Tom Brady and the uh, leave of absence that was supposedly sanctioned by the team well in advance, but you know, I wonder if they knew that this was going to be happening, that he was going to get this scheduled downtime, that uh, you don't think they would have maybe given the media a heads up so there wasn't a wildfire of speculation uh, as soon as he was away from camp. And then they come out and say, oh, this was all pre-planned. Like, something really smells funny here. And would it be a shock if a, a guy who is about to be the first quarterback ever to make a, a start in the Super Bowl era at age 45 and had already announced his retirement uh, in the offseason. Like if he just chose to walk away, especially after Rob Gronkowski retired, especially after, you know, losing both of his starting guards and then his starting center suffers a major knee injury. Like there's just something really funny here. And it affects the value of Leonard Fournette's. And uh, Godwin and Gage Godwin and, and Evans. Yeah, and, and all that for this Trickle year, down. which... Which matters for Dynasty. I mean, obviously, like, this year is important. We're not looking at long-term. But, like, Fournette is already kind of past the age curve. Uh, how many productive years does he have left? And if if Brady being gone, like, part of Fournette's value last year was that Brady was a dump-off machine. If Brady's not there, it's going to look a lot different. Um, so, like, we got to watch this situation. I think this is, like, the big headliner right now of the preseason. <laughs> What do you think, Chad? You got your tinfoil hat on here for uh, maybe it's Tom Brady retirement season. We Stranger things have happened. A 45-year-old retiring after, you know, playing a couple weeks of training camp and realizing he doesn't have the fire anymore uh, would, wouldn't be the most surprising thing. But, you know, he retired to get Bruce Arians out of Tampa Bay, it seems like. He did that, and now he's not going to play? I don't know, man. Uh, I think he would look pretty pretty bad for that whole scenario. What do you think of, of Brady and, and him being away from the team right now? Yeah, I, I love the tinfoil hat. Trust me. I had it on when Brady did retire the first time. And I felt like he wanted to go to San Francisco and he was trying to play this retirement game to get there. So I've had it on with Brady before, but I've taken it off and I'm not putting it back on because I, I just think this, you know, they said it was, it was pre-planned. You know, I don't know if that's true or not, but to me, like you said, just why would he do that? He would look very bad um, if he did that. And the Bucks offense, I mean, he got what he want, right? He has control of that offense. Um, Todd Bowles is the head coach. He really got what he wanted. And, you know, other than Gronk retiring, you know, he's got all of his weapons still there. It's not like the team, you know, had a bunch of turnovers. So I really can't see it. And frankly, if people are willing to pass on, you know, some of those weapons, I actually just drafted Chris Godwin in like the seventh round of a redraft league. And I mean, I'll take that all day, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I I like Godwin too. I mean, I like Godwin way more with Tom Brady than Kyle Trask or Jimmy G, you know, I I guess it could still be uh, in in that scenario. I've heard there's maybe some Mason Rudolph rumblings as well uh, to get traded from Pittsburgh because Pickett and Trubisky both look so good in the preseason game. I mean, it was Seattle, so let's pump our brakes there, right? But, um, you know, I, th- there's a possibility. Everyone would have to get lowered a little bit. I don't think we'd have to, uh, you know, destroy value on everybody, but I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm not a Fournette hater like Fitz is, so I, I think I would keep Fournette right where I got him because the, the offense runs through Fournette if Brady retires because they ain't going to run through Trask. We know that. So uh, we'll see. But that that's an argument for if that happens. Uh, you guys know what my number one subject here is. And, of course, it's going to be George Pickens, the best wide receiver that has ever lived, of course, uh, just doing amazing in camp, doing amazing in the preseason game. Great touchdown from – and I, I begrudgingly admit, because, you know, I'm a Steelers fan that doesn't like Mason Rudolph that much, but that was a dime throw. 
from Mason Rudolph. That was perfect and an even better catch by Pickens to keep those feet in. Um, but he just torched Minka Fitzpatrick in practice today, and he's making highlight catches every single day out there. Um, currently in Dynasty uh, ECR, Pickens is wide receiver. I believe it's 40, yeah, 45. So he is one spot below Claypool. Interesting, these guys, he's right behind. He's behind Claypool, Dotson, Juju, and Michael Thomas, just ahead of Tony Renfro, Lockett, and Watson. Um, I mean, do we do we need to move this arrow on Pickens way higher up, or do you think, look, he's great, um, but there's a lot of good wide receivers out there. It's, it's tough to move him over guys like Juju and Sky Moore and guys like that. What do you think about Pickens, Chad? Yeah, I'm moving him up for sure. Um, he's looked great. And one of the biggest things I look for in preseason isn't necessarily the production, although that's nice. It's really just watching these guys and seeing if they look like they belong, right? And Pickens just, I mean, he just looked like a part of, you know, one of the great wide receivers in the NFL today. We know his story for why he fell down the draft. He ended up in a situation, uh, a franchise, as you know, that has a history of developing wide receivers, right? My only question is, what's going to happen to the rest of this group? Because I don't know if Trubisky or Pickett can support all three of those wide receivers along with, I think Pat Fryermuth and, and Najee Harris are going to get targets too. So that's my question with it is how does that shake up, shake out? But the ceiling is so high for this guy that, I, I mean, I'm playing for ceiling in most of these leagues, right? So I really want to take a shot on a rookie that has that type of ADP over, you know, probably even over Claypool who took a step back in year two. Yeah. And, and Fitz, you know, by talking to me every single week here, I'm not the biggest Claypool guy either. So I've got Pickens already ahead of Claypool. Um, I won't put him ahead of Deontay, not coming off of a hundred reception season uh, quite yet, especially after he got his money and he's happy now, but uh, Pickens arrow definitely pointing up, right? Fitz. I am due for a dynasty ranking sweep and I'm going to move uh, Pickens ahead of Claypool. For sure. And boy, as nice as that touchdown catch was, I was just as impressed by that. Uh, him just barreling over that Seattle cornerback on that, that run block where he just fired out his hands like a 330 pound guard and, and knocked that guy ass over tea kettle. Uh, <laughs> that was like impressive. So this guy's like got a competitive fire and, um, it's going to be really interesting to see how targets are allotted this year. I, I don't think Deontay Johnson is going to finish with 150 targets, 160 targets. Like it's going to be more evenly dispersed. I think they got to get this guy on the field um, often. And and we know that at times uh, Tomlin has shown displeasure with both Claypool and Deontay Johnson. Like we've seen <laughs> yes. Deontay get benched from drops. Uh, Claypool obviously has, has had some on-field maturity issues. <sighs> Um, so yeah, I'm excited about Pickens for sure. Like he's a dynasty guy. I did not get him in enough rookie drafts. Like, I don't know if I got him in one and I'm, I'm now very upset about it and, uh, you know, (laughs) might have to overpay to get him on at least one dynasty roster. There's so many good wide receivers in this class and and there's Mm -hmm. so many good wide receivers just in fantasy football. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely excited about Pickens. Uh, Chad, what is, uh, the number two story for you this preseason? And I see this on the sheet and I left it for somebody. So I'm glad you picked it up and ran with it. Yeah. Antonio Gibson. Um, who is this guy, right? What, what's his role going to be with the commanders? We saw in the first preseason game, he fumbles, they bring in Brian Robinson and, and he kind of runs wild, right? He had a great game. I think he had what 60, 60 some yards and a touchdown. Uh, we know that JD McKissick is getting that third down work. We've heard whispers that Robinson is going to get a lot of the goal line work. So what does that leave for Gibson? If McKissick's, you know, the pass catching back and, and Robinson is getting a lot of that goal line work and probably mixing in some on early downs, that just leaves some kind of meaningless between the twenties touches. Right. And, and for fantasy football, those are the least valuable touches. Um, I thought Antonio Gibson made a lot of progress late last year. I thought he looked really good when he kind of seemed to get healthy. So that was really encouraging. And knowing that JD McKissick was going to be a free agent, I did have some high hopes for Antonio Gibson. We know the skill set, right? If, if he can just put it all together, he's only been playing running back for a few years, but fumbles have been an issue, right? And so the fact that he was yanked out of the game, even if it is preseason, right after a fumble, Robinson goes in, plays very well. Um, 
I think we have to be alarmed with Gibson. I don't know, you know, what his value is on. Well, I do know I've been trying to trade him for a few weeks in the one league I have him and I can't get him off my roster. So he doesn't have much trade value. Um, but you know, I, I really don't know if somebody were to trade for him. I, I don't know what the correct price is, honestly. But let me ask you this real quick. Uh, Antonio Gibson currently in uh, Dynasty ECR, uh, running back 19. A couple guys below him. Let me just ask you, would you take Gibson or take A.J. Dillon? Uh, A.J. Dillon. How about David Montgomery? His questions about him. We'll talk about him a little bit later, too. Don't love Montgomery, but I would take Montgomery. What about uh, James Conner? James Conner. Man. All right. So, so you, you're pretty, you're pretty low on Gibson. And the, the thing here is this is hard to figure out because I want this story to kind of go away. Like I, cause Gibson is the best running back on this team. And I love Brian Robinson. I've been beating the Brian Robinson drum all off season. I love him. I know Friedman likes him too. Uh, I think I've talked Pat into him a, a little bit as well, even though Pat was probably already decently high on him. Like this is a three down back. So he can be the guy but Gibson is still better than him. Like as much as I love Brian Robinson, Gibson's still better than him. Um, I think McKissick is kind of the, the odd man out eventually here. But today as we're recording this, Antonio Gibson was practicing on special teams for the commanders. Like that is not a good spot to be in coupled with all these fumble issues. Uh, what do you think, Pat? Is this, you know, training camp preseason punishment from Ron Rivera being kind of an old school coach, or is this hey, look, He's practicing with the threes. The Robinson's up with the ones. We can no longer ignore this. Good Lord. I hope it's just some sort of old school punishment for the fumble <laughs> in the preseason that he's doing special teams. And, and Chad like reminds me that I think I need to go and put together some dynasty trade offers for Antonio Gibson, mm -hmm. because like you've got this guy who is as big and as fast as Jonathan Taylor has experience as a college wide receiver, has scored double-digit touchdowns his first two years in the league, and is so tough that he played with a cracked freaking shin bone last year. Like, I want this guy. And, like, I understand the depth chart stuff is sort of alarming right now, and the fumbling thing is an issue. Although, um, you know, and I've referenced this on your show, Boggs, like, Tiki Barber had a fumbling problem when he came into the league, and it just went away. Like it's a problem sometimes. And then it's not, you know, Devonte right. Adams had drops problems his first couple of years in the league. Like, I'm not too worried about that. And Gibson's still what? 24, I think. And very uh, young. Yeah. yeah. So boy, this is a guy, like if I can get him for a, some sort of low ball offer, like, um, you know, I'm not sure what, like if I could a second round in 2023 and I, I love, the 2023 class like a second rounder is nothing to poo poo in next year's draft class but like if, if i could get gibson for that i would take it and a lot of people who you know value i know that's not going to be uh looked upon well by people who uh treasure draft picks in the fantasy community and there's some who i think overvalue them but man i what's still really behind, like this guy what's behind door number two is always sexier Right. It doesn't matter. You, you'll you get it in your mind. Something sexier is better. So I'm with you on that for sure, Pat. People definitely overestimate those. Although this class is going to be very good next year. It, is. it is. Right. I know. Like an early second in this is almost like, you know, a mid first from the 2022 class. Perhaps. Yeah, exactly. But uh, let me ask you a couple of those too. Uh, AJ Dillon or uh, Antonio Gibson? Because you're mm. a Dillon guy. I am a Dylan guy. Um, boy, that one's really close. Uh, a, a little, man, a little bit of a lean. Like, I always think there's going to be a ceiling on Dylan's pass catching potential. Okay. So in Dynasty, That's where fair. it's always, almost always PPR, I'm going Gibson there by nose. What about uh, Dave Montgomery, Eli Mitchell, Leonard Fournette? Those are like the first four guys underneath Gibson in the rankings. Gibson over all of them. Over all of them. Yes. Uh, let me see if I can find somebody. Josh Jacobs, James Connor. You take any of those guys over Gibson? No. No. Gibson. So I mean, you might take him over uh, Gibson or Aaron Jones. You you might actually be moving him up here. I'm higher than 19 too. I got him at 15. Yeah, I mean, with the Gibson Aaron Jones thing, like if I'm if I've got any sort of open championship window, I'd rather have Jones. And I'm you know I think a big part of this that people forget is like. 
even if he's dead with the commanders, Brian Robinson is amazing and McKissick slots in as the, the passing down guy. Someone else is going to value Gibson next year and make a deal for him, uh, you know, pick him up if, if the commanders cut him, whatever, you know, and he'll still have value. That was my whole thing on Leonard Fournette, and it worked out. It's also my whole thing on Le'Veon Bell, and that didn't pan out as well. But, you know, uh, a lot of those, especially 24-year-old backs, uh, can pick it up and go somewhere else. Uh, what is number two for you, Fitzy? What do you got? So it's been an off-season storyline throughout all winter, all spring, the Chiefs wide receivers. And we saw some interesting evidence of uh, what playing time might look like early in the season, at least, when Patrick Mahomes played 11 snaps in the Chiefs' first preseason game. And uh, the number of snaps for Chiefs wide receivers while Mahomes was on the field, Juju, 11, Uh, MVS, 9, Mikael Hardman, four, Skymore, zero. And <laughs> I'm not saying the Skymore truthers should be alarmed. I like Skymore, too. Um, but maybe he's not going to be on the field constantly for the Chiefs this year, which might be kind of a, a an issue early on. Like, I don't think this is any reason to be concerned about Skymore's dynasty value. Come on. But it is a pretty good reason to be excited about Juju's value. Uh, maybe he is, in fact, the, the clear wide receiver one here and Juju's still young. So uh, maybe, you know, MVS, it, it is a follow the money thing and they intend to play MVS pretty constantly on, on uh, you know, we're going to see 90% snap shares for him. So and, and maybe uh, Hardman isn't dead just yet. Can you just uh, tell me which analyst that you are close personal friends with has been promoting Juju this entire offseason? That would be you, Boggs. Okay, I just want to make sure <laughs> we got that cleared up there. So, uh, Chad, what do you think about this uh, Kansas City wide receivers, uh, you know, uh, situation here? Because for Dynasty, Sky Moore, ECR 37, Juju 42. So both wide receiver fours uh, in Dynasty, which is you know, somebody is going to be catching passes here. you got to pick a camp. And I think that's why these guys are averaging four because sometimes they get 20, sometimes they get sixties probably because you know, it's just a, a big mix here. So what do you think about um, th- this chief situation between really it's Juju and more? Yeah, I- I'm taking more at that cost in dynasty. Um, I just like his skill set a little better than Juju's. Uh, I think he has more of a ceiling. He had, you know, really good college production, obviously coming from a small school, but um, I like the player more than I like Juju the player. I think honestly for this year, I'm taking a shot on MVS in a lot of leagues, but I don't want, you know, I don't want him in Dynasty. Sky Moore's the guy I want in Dynasty. I think it might be a little slow to get there. Obviously, Travis Kelsey's going to catch a ton of passes. Um, I think Juju will be that guy, you know, that guy out of the slot, but um mvs is going to be the big play guy down the field um eventually i think sky Moore will work into the most consistent uh receiver that that they can really move around and like you said you can't forget about mccall hardman i know he's been taking snaps out of the backfield um he's gotten some positive uh you know reviews which we've heard before so you know we'll see on that one but there's just a lot of guys here that I'm not that excited about. So long-term give me sky more with, I think the highest ceiling, man. Uh, I mean, I have never heard anyone undersell the chiefs offense more, Chad. You're not a big hey. uh, juju. They're both values at this number, right? I mean, I think you're going to have to take one higher. There's probably more, but I think they're both values at that price, right? Well, potentially, but I I think MVS is a value because he's going later than anybody. I also think Travis Kelsey is a value as high as he's going. Um, I know people are talking about well, he's going to get you know a lot of attention, same way Darren Waller did. But what Darren Waller had Derek Carr versus Patrick Mahomes. I think Mahomes can make them pay if they try to really bracket a tight end. I mean, most teams don't bracket tight ends, right? You you just can't right. do it. Uh, Mahomes will make you pay for it. I think Kelsey might see a career high in targets. He might get to one sixty, one sixty five. I think that offense is going to funnel through him, um, and then you know a lot of deep shots to MVS and trickery with McCole Hardman. So. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, uh, Sky Moore has a ton of potential. I just, you know, watching Juju for years, uh, Juju's my guy. So, and that's that's not going to change for me, um, even though I do like Sky Moore a lot. But before we get to my second story here, I got to tell you guys about Reality Sports Online. And by now, most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where 
Owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the dynasty community is about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract salary camp functionality, and much, much more. I think it sounds complicated. It's not the best thing about reality sports online fantasy front office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your metal. Still not sure? You can test your general manager skills for FRWE free in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code FANTASYPROS to create a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. My second story here, uh, one that I really like, is Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce taking over this running back role uh, for the Houston Texans has been dominant in camp. Everyone else has looked exactly like we thought they would. Marlon Mack, underwhelming. Rex Burkhead, a little bit old. Not a lot else going out on there. And you have a young defense. You have a young quarterback. You have, you know, the only thing that isn't young on this team is Lovey Smith and Brandon Cooks. Like, that's it. Everything else is super raw. Damian Pierce represents this team very well in the raw factor. He was underutilized, I feel like, in Florida's offense. I think he was um, better than the other running backs. He's looked better than the current running backs on this roster. And if you're the Texans, this is this seems to be the potential for a volume play, in my opinion, because if you have a defense that is subpar, you want to run the ball to run the clock and keep your defense on the sideline. Doesn't always work. The Seahawks ran more than anybody last year and uh, possessed the ball two minutes less than anybody else. It was kind of pathetic. So it doesn't always, not a one for one, doesn't always work, but that's at least a strategy. Um, I'm going to be high on Pierce currently right now in Fantasy Pros Dynasty ECR. He is 40 among running backs. Fitz, what do you think about Pierce? Are you a Pierce guy or, um, and by the way, I have him exactly at 40 in my rankings, which is funny. A lot of these guys I'm seeing because I'm 45 on Pickens too, and that's the exact DCR number as well. But um, I, I like Pierce a lot. I'm not wholly convinced that the Texans can't go out and pick up another back eventually, but he seems to be the best guy on the roster here, right? He he is, uh, and I do think, by the way, some of our dynasty rankers tend to neglect their rankings a bit in August <laughs> when they're busy keeping up with the redraft stuff. And, and it's I'm a lot maybe, of the moving parts in August, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm I may be guilty of that myself, but uh, I think <laughs> if you had people doing their rankings today, we would see Damian Pierce a lot higher than that. I'm excited, Boggs. We've talked about him and how he was woefully underutilized by Dan Mullen in Florida. Um, like really pretty good in all facets, like runner, pass catcher, pass blocker. Um, so he could be a do-it-all guy for the Texans. And, you know, if if you're taking the long view in Dynasty, like this year in redraft, I'm a little hesitant to buy in just because I think it would be hard to start him with confidence in any given week. Because I do think there's going to be some Marlon Mack and, and Rex Burkhead mixed in. Texans aren't going to score a lot of touchdowns. So I just don't know what you're really going to get as far as scoring output if you can feel good about throwing Pierce in even a flex spot. But if you're playing the long game, like this guy could be their their bell cow running back potentially, or at least the head of a committee uh, in, you know, two, three years from now when maybe the Texans are perhaps quarterbacked by uh, C.J. Stroud or someone Bryce else like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it's maybe sunnier days ahead for the Texans offense, but it's encouraging that Pierce has shown this much so early. Uh, Chad, what do you think of Pierce? Uh, am I am I off base thinking that he could be uh, the unquestioned leader of this backfield in Houston? I just am not, you know, Marlon Mack doesn't do anything for me. I, I've seen the Rex Burkhead story before. I'm just not excited. Am I getting a little too amped for uh, the Florida back here? Um, I don't think so. I really like Pierce. He was wildly efficient in college, and we've seen, you mentioned the underutilization Pat with, uh, you know, Mullen there at Florida. We've seen that story before. I'm a big Kadarius Tony guy, you know, same, same kind of deal there. Um, I think what worries me is I, th I actually like Davis Mills. So, you know, I don't love projecting forward to a new quarterback. I think Mills sure. could surprise some people this year. And, and I think that passing offense could be better than expected, but um, no doubt they're going to be trailing a lot. I don't see that running game being overly efficient. 
they are as much as you know i'm over rex burkhead's story as well they are going to use him on passing downs it's just the way it goes what worries me is that pierce flashes a bit this year uh you know the texans get better maybe they do draft a quarterback and then they go out as they're starting to get good they go out and and you know draft a running back higher um but i do think pierce is good enough to stick especially at rb40 i like him there um i i like his talent a lot it's just the situation i'm you know lukewarm on yeah and that's understandable you know when you get it when you get a piece of an offense you would prefer it to be a good offense uh that that is very very true like you know i think spiller isaiah spiller is a much better running back than damian pierce but he's got austin eckler in front of him you know and right now it looks like he's got joshua kelly in front of him so uh it, it's just little things like that uh you know that that are annoying where pierce just doesn't have that in front of him you know the offense isn't great but it could be better than we think and uh he could lead it so what is your third preseason story you want to talk about today chad uh, well, we talked about the Chiefs pass catchers, right? So let's just talk about their running back room because Isaiah Pacheco, the seventh round rookie, seemingly coming out of nowhere has been a huge story. And I think we kind of wondered, you know, is this fact or fiction in terms of some of the training camp buzz that that we were hearing reports of? Well, we saw that he he got some reps with the first team in the preseason game. He was the second running back in the game after CEH and, uh, so, I mean, I guess that part is fact. I still have concerns. I mean, he was a seventh round pick for a reason, right? He offense was bad at Rutgers, but I don't think he was a great prospect. He's fast. Um, I don't know how he fits into this offense. I still like, you know, CEH. I think his dynasty ADP is like RB 27 or 28, which 30 is 30 right now. In 30. PPR. Okay. So yeah. insanely low. Um, and, you know, coming out, he was a big pass catching specialist. Like that's what he did. And the chiefs really haven't found a way to utilize him there. I think I'm just still taking the bet on CEH kind of breaking through. than I am this seventh round rookie coming in and taking, and, and you still got Ronald Jones who may or may not make the team, but Jarek McKinnon played really well in the playoffs. I know he's a 30 year old guy that hasn't been able to stay healthy, but I think they'll utilize him as well. So I think it'll be kind of a rotation and for me, CEH still has the best odds to emerge um, and be the most productive of that backfield. Fitz, what do you think about this backfield? Because, I mean, currently, like you said, speaking of, of not updating, I think Pacheco's down at like 89 or something. I, I don't have him a crazy amount higher. I have him at, in the 60s, like 63. You know, the, the preseason buzz is nice. Uh, and once again, you'd rather be good than bad. So he's playing well right now. He's been the highlight of, of the preseason and we've seen guys step up from, you know, undrafted free agents step up. James Robinson was undrafted and became, you know, the leading back. I'm not saying Pacheco is there because I obviously rank him in the sixties. I don't think so. I still have CEH ahead of him, but, um, there's definitely CEH hasn't done enough to keep anyone off of his tail. Uh, Ronald Jones looks like he could get cut because of Pacheco here. And Jarek McKinnon is never going to be a volume guy. He's going to be a situational guy. So you see light at the end of the tunnel for Pacheco becoming a potential, um, you know, late round steal. What do you think about Pacheco and have you been rostering him in any of your leagues? I haven't. And I really should uh, go in. Well, he's been picked up everywhere now. So sure. I, I yeah. don't think I have him anywhere. And, uh, but I'm, I've, been looking for something to grasp onto in this backfield because the Chiefs are going to score a lot of touchdowns. They have uh, ranked pretty highly in running back targets the last several years. They do throw to their running backs, and I think that's kind of an indictment of CEH that he hasn't been much of a pass catcher, that he averaged like what, uh, like 1.9 targets a game last year? So maybe 1.9 catches and like 2.6 targets or something like that. Um on a team that throws to its backs a lot. So like I, I we've talked about this Boggs. I mean, I think CH is kind of mediocre. I think Ronald Jones is just, you know, a dynasty non-entity because he's such a train wreck in the passing game. And McKinnon is just a guy, who, you know, has never proven that he can stay healthy over any length of time. And now he's older. So like, I'm interested in investing in Pacheco and, and we had Matt Waldman on in April and we had a whole pool of, uh, you know, soon to be draftees to talk about. And we spent a pretty good amount of time talking about He's Isaiah Pacheco because Waldman, Waldman likes him. 
I did everything but roll my eyes too. I, you know, I watched, I saw a little bit of Rutgers and, you know, Pacheco's fast, but I didn't think he was special, but put him around some special players and, you know, you don't have to be special in, in that scenario. You know, you just have to be good enough. So it seems like he could be, uh, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm buying less in on this one. than I think most people are, uh, but it's hard to ignore a, a player that could get massive amount of snaps on a good offense. So, um, you know, he at least has to be on your radar. I, I'll say that. Right. Right. But this is the team where we need Antonio Gibson to end up in order like oh, Josh Jacobs or somebody. Can you imagine oh, Gibson yeah. in his offense? Oh, Josh Jacobs. Yeah. I mean, I already love Josh Jacobs and I don't understand what this hate is, but I would freak out. I would love G- that Gibson one. on the Chiefs. Man, oh Chad just got me really excited there. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm uh maybe I'm flipping. Maybe I'll be uh, buying Gibson by the end of the show just with the vision <laughs> that he could wind up in Kansas City. <laughs> Uh, that would be amazing. Uh, just end up somewhere um, that, that isn't Washington would be great. Just somewhere where you don't have Carson Wentz playing next to you would be awesome. Uh, Fitzy, what's your uh, third story you want to talk about from the preseason here? Oh, let's talk about the backfield in a much less sexy offense. And uh, I swear I'm not bringing this up just to, to bash the Bears and their fans. Oh, but, whatever. Uh, come yeah, on. No, You're a no, Bears no, no, basher. No, it's on. fine. Everybody knows it. It's okay. Uh, but you know what? I, I like kind of want to get my hands on uh, Tristan Ebner. And I, I did pick him up in one dynasty league where he was undrafted in a rookie draft. And um, like, I think this is going to be a committee. I, this new regime with, uh, you know, Ryan Poles, the new GM, uh, Eberflus, the, the coach, like they don't have any loyalty towards Montgomery and, and Montgomery was just sort of the default workhorse for them under Pace um, or, or sorry, under uh, uh, Gase. No, Nagy. Oh, Nagy. God, I was just blanking. They've gone through so many. This is see. This is Pat ripping on the Bears by not even ripping on. They've gone through so many coaches. You can't even keep pace with them. Yeah, I mean, Bears fans would like to forget Nagy, like I just did. But um, (laughs) so yeah, like I think it's going to be a a three man committee here. Like I think David Montgomery. If if you're holding him, he's like depreciating uh, by the the week. And um, Khalil Herbert, I think hold like he's going to grow in in importance because he's going to get more work this year and possibly a lot more work and i think ebner who in the first week of the preseason uh looked really good on a 27 yard run just stick his foot in the dirt and go like one cut bang and also caught a a 12 yard touchdown pass with his only target so um he's one to watch i I think we're gonna have a full-blown committee here um Big downgrade for Montgomery, upgrade for Herbert, and Ebner is a guy who should be rostered. Yeah, this, uh, Chad, completely aggravates me because I love David Montgomery. I, you know, uh, Khalil Herbert's good. Um, He's fine. I I just, I'm not the biggest Herbert fan. He's okay, but I am a huge David Montgomery fan, so I hate to see this. But look, David Montgomery, there was a question about how much he liked football in the offseason. You know, he openly talked about he had some mental health issues as well. So, um, but he is like, okay with taking these special teams reps. I hate that. Don't be okay with taking special teams reps. No, I'm your number one RB. What are you doing? That's what he should be saying. Uh, but I, I don't know. Uh, so this situation is completely weird to me. Uh, and I got to be honest, I have just completely avoided the bears as a whole for guys not named Mooney or commit. Um, and you know, super flex, I'll take Justin Fields. But, um, other than that, I've just kind of avoided the bears like the plague. What do you think about this situation? Do you like any of these Ebner? Do you like David Montgomery? Are you a Khalil Herbert guy? What do you think is happening here? Are you avoiding it? Like I am. I'm mostly avoiding it. I'm not a huge Justin Fields uh, supporter myself, but he is a running quarterback. That's going to, you know, factor into things too. I will say I've been buying Khalil Herbert this off season, really on the forefront of a lot of this news. Um, So I I kind of got a few shares of him at a good time. I think, you know, his, his cost is certainly going up now and I don't know if I want to pay that, but um, I I think he's going to play a big role. I'm not a huge Montgomery guy. He's been a volume guy. He's he's fine. I just don't think this offense is going to be great. I'm mostly avoiding it. I think they're going to end up replacing Justin Fields, if I'm being honest, next year in the next draft. 
I mean, it just doesn't get me excited. But at cost, I'm still most in on Herbert just because I think he has the upside to really take over the job. Um, I think Montgomery can really only go downwards uh, where, you know, Herbert can go up. Um, Ebner's interesting, but um, I think, you know, we've seen Herbert do it for a stretch. He had a really good stretch last year, looked looked really impressive. So he's the one I'm in on, if any of them, uh, but mostly out on the Bears offense. Pacheco, Ebner, or Pierce? Pierce. Pierce. Easy? Not close? Easy for me. Yeah. Fitz, are you the same? Pierce is easy over those two yeah, other guys? Yeah, I think, I think that's going to be Pierce, Pacheco, Ebner. I mean, Ebner, yeah. undrafted guy, UDFA. But, I mean, looks a like flyer. a good UDFA. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. A, a flyer. Uh, the third story that I want to talk about here uh, is the Jets' depth chart, really. It's not just one thing here. It's, it's Michael Carter being ahead of Brees Hall, which is interesting. And I will say that I have all the Michael Carter shares I still love Brees Hall, though, and I still think Brees Hall is the better back than Michael Carter. I don't know that that is so much of a question, but, you know, this is a Shanahan-style offense that that we have brought to, uh, you know, LaFleur br- brings over uh, from San Francisco. Um, so they're going to use two backs. They're going to use both their backs, and Michael Carter, you know, just because Brees Hall comes in doesn't mean he's dead. So I've been snapping up Carter in all my redrafts. I like him in uh, Dynasty as well. Um, and Garrett Wilson being behind Braxton Barrios on the depth chart is just disgusting to me. Denzel Mims has been having a great camp as well. Like th- th- these guys had no wide receivers for years, and now they're lousy with them. They got them all over the place. So um, they-, they got all kinds of wide receivers. They've I think Mims is going to end up getting traded because he was the eighth wide receiver to take reps. So it seems like they have depth chart issues um, more than, you know, player issues here. So uh, Chad, what do you think about Brees Hall and Michael Carter? Uh, Are you still confidently drafting Brees Hall? Were you in on him, you know, coming in and what do you think about Garrett Wilson being behind Barrios and Corey Davis? Is that something that, uh, is eye rolling to you because Garrett Wilson's a first round pick or are you giving it a little bit of credence because we're bumping up against the start here? Yeah, I'm, I'm not thrilled with Michael Carter's presence. I do think, um, Brees Hall is, is the better back. He has league winning upside, um, in, in redraft and, and, you know, things like that, he's kind of worth a flyer, but if you're a contender dynasty team and you found a way to get Brees Hall on your roster, I just don't know that he's going to have that type of year with Michael Carter being there because Michael Carter's known for pass catching. I think Brees Hall can can kind of pass him up in all phases of the game, but they they obviously want to utilize Michael Carter. They want to utilize both of them, and that's always a concern, especially in an offense that's not particularly great, right? Um, Zach Wilson hasn't looked good, and and obviously he's hurt now. Joe Flacco, maybe they go get Jimmy G, but either way, I think this backfield needs a good offense in order for Brees Hall to break out and really kind of reach that ceiling. So I'm fine, you know, buying him if you're like a rebuilding dynasty team and you want to wait it out. I think he's worth it for sure. But um, in the short term, I don't love it. Um, it is kind of disgusting to see Garrett Wilson <laughs> playing behind Braxton Berrios and and guys like that. But for me, I've never been in on Wilson. I'm a big Elijah Moore guy. He's he's my guy. I think he's the the alpha wide receiver one in this offense. Um, he was insanely productive over, I think, a seven week stretch last year before he got hurt. He was like the wide receiver three or something, and uh, he looked great. He's I think he's a really really good player. I think he's underrated and undervalued. Probably long term, it's going to be a one A one B type of situation. They also probably need a, a quarterback to really break through, but. Um, it doesn't really change anything for me on Wilson. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's understandable. I, I look, uh, I think Elijah Moore is fantastic and he had that big stretch where he was awesome last year, but I, I think, I think Garrett Wilson's a little bit underrated. This dude set Ohio state wide receiver records. They've had amazing wide receivers roll through that school. So I am, uh, still very high on Garrett Wilson. I he's behind the eight ball now, but, you know, your career is much longer than your first preseason. So I'm, I'm still in, um, Brees Hall. I'm just going to be in on, uh, so what do you think here, Fitzy? Are you, um, 
Are, are you drafting for redraft and dynasty? Are you drafting these guys confidently? Are you avoiding Brees Hall for this year? Does Zach Wilson being hurt make a difference to you at all? What do you think about this Jets team? Uh, boy, it almost doesn't because I think uh, Elijah Moore did most of his damage in that great stretch he had from like week nine to week 13 last year with Mike White at quarterback, not Zach Wilson. And Zach Wilson's uh, like security blanket last year was Corey Davis. Like that's who mm-hmm. he sort of favored. So that's the thing. Like it's it's just weird how much dynasty value has accrued on the Jets at running back and wide receiver. Like it's almost too much. Everything but quarterback, <laughs> which is a real problem. Because what if Zach Wilson turns out to be not good? Um, not that I'm like dismissing his chances of developing sure. into a good quarterback, but I mean he's like last year it looked like he had a pretty long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. And like how quick might they be to throw him overboard if they don't see exactly what they want to see from him this year? Um, but man, like I love Hall. I mean, I think he's just below Barkley and, and Jonathan Taylor in terms of being a prospect with the great three year production, lit up the combine. I mean, this is a special prospect catches passes and Carter good. Like Carter's good catches passes. I think he's a nice long-term dynasty asset. Echo what you said about Garrett Wilson, but like Chad, I think Elijah Moore is just a stud there and like, you know, borderline like a top 10 dynasty receiver for me. Um, but man, like they really need the quarterback to make it all go. And I don't know if they have it yet or, or yeah. when they might get it. I mean, everything we just said about Tampa Bay, if Tom Brady doesn't show up, right, that's kind of the same scenario that you have going on with the Jets, although Tampa Bay's defense is, you know, top five in the league and the Jets is definitely not. So uh, rebuilding, they should get better, but they're still not good. So um, we'll see. It's going to be a long season, but we all know Zach Wilson's got that dog in him. So maybe he'll uh, pull it out in the season. We'll see. Uh, Chad, what is uh, your last preseason topic that you want to touch on before we get out of here? Yeah, I mean, we can't get out of here without talking about the Packers wide receivers and Romeo Dobbs big game. Uh, he kind of, you know, lit Twitter on fire and and really the Internet when he scored that touchdown. And uh, he looks good, right? There's another guy that we've heard a lot of training camp buzz about with um, Christian Watson on the shelf. And we got to see it in action. So that's great. Adjust the rankings, et cetera. But I don't think we should get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, in Dynasty for July, ADP was Alan Lazard, wide receiver 53, Christian Watson, wide receiver 41, Romeo Dubs all the way at wide receiver 95. Um, Romeo Dubs has actually passed Christian Watson in underdog ADP. So you're seeing it in best ball. And I think that gap is going to really shrink in dynasty. I think they're going to become very close. I'd still take, I take Lazard for this year. He's the guy he scored eight touchdowns last year. He has the chemistry with Rogers. He's, you know, a great red zone target. Um, but long-term I I'm still taking the upside of Christian Watson um, Romeo Dubs, I think has a chance to be a good player in this league and, and maybe for a long time, uh, he doesn't have the upside that Christian Watson has in this offense. And Christian Watson's been banged up. We haven't even seen him. I mean, if he comes back and just gets these strong reviews, I mean, how high up is he going to go, right? So I don't want to overreact to Romeo Dubs. Um, I think he's, you know, has a chance to be a good player. I just don't think he's going to be the Packers wide receiver one. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to be that either. I will say, you know, once again, we've kind of hit this point home. It's it's just nice to be good instead of bad. But look, Dubs, little underrated coming out of Nevada, I thought, because, look, I play a lot of college fantasy football, right? And this strong Dubs, Cole Turner trio and Nevada, like, propelled a lot of my teams, a lot of Mountain West late night football uh, watching. And the guy can get open deep and Rodgers can heave it deep. So I kind of like this combo. But, yeah, you cannot put him ahead of Watson. He cannot be being drafted ahead of Watson, I think, Pat. Um, I don't understand how you didn't take this one. I left it for you specifically, and Chad ends up with it. But uh, go ahead and talk about your uh, Packers wide receivers here, if you would. Yeah, I guess it's because maybe I haven't really sorted it out in my head when I think of these guys. I mean, like Chad, I think I'm still betting on Watson for dynasty over any of these guys long-term, just the size and the speed combination. I mean, maybe he turns out to be Denzel Mims with that size and speed combination, but like you have to be optimistic about it. And he's, he's hasn't 
practiced much in camp. So hard to hold that against him. Um, and But like, I would rather have Dubs than Lazard in Dynasty to me. Like, I, I think Lazard, Lazard's never going to sniff a thousand yards. He's just not that guy. Like he's, um, you know, like not a great separation guy. I don't think, uh, like not great after the catch. Um, I think he could score a lot of touchdowns because Rogers likes to throw close to the goal line and, and, uh, Lazard is just gigantic. Wouldn't be surprised if he got close to 10 touchdowns this year, but I don't know that he's ever going to be like a heavy duty volume receiver. So, um, really interesting, man. Like I know Derek Brown and, uh, Alex Dunlap and some other people who were at the combine were not, or not at the combine, the senior ball, not real excited about dubs there. Cause he was getting locked down in press coverage. Like guys were just getting their hands on him and dubs could not get out of press coverage. Um, maybe he's figured out a way to solve that. Uh, you know, or, or maybe like we're getting fooled here. Like he's going up against a lot of zone or, or off coverage. So, um, like that's kind of something to watch. I, Packer games, the next couple of weeks are going to be really interesting, uh, when they maybe start, you know, mixing Rogers in for a series or two and, and what things look like there. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting. It, it, we're just looking for something, you know, Green Bay and Kansas City, fairly similar situations in terms of wide receivers. Although I do think, you know, there's higher upside for the Kansas City guys uh, just because I think they're better players than a lot of the guys on the Packers roster right now. But it's the same deal. We're hunting. Someone has to catch the ball here. And I know that's a crutch argument, but it's also a true argument. Like somebody's got to catch the ball there. Uh, and we're going to figure it out sooner rather than later. And Dubs has been looking good. So we kind of gravitate uh, towards him. Uh, Fitzy, what is the last uh, preseason uh, story you want to talk about here today? Yeah, we can hit this one quickly because I think a lot of people were excited about him for Dynasty. Anyway, it's Travis Etienne. And in the Jags' first preseason game, Etienne played a lot on every down and looked really good. And yes, James Robinson's still not ready to get back on the field yet in uh, you know game action. Eventually, he will come back and I think he's going to have a role. But I'm starting to think that maybe it might be more of a change of pace role and that ETN is going to be like the guy, not just on, on passing downs, but like early downs too. Maybe it's like a 60, 40 on early downs with in ETN's favor. And he plays all the passing downs. And boy, if that happens, like he could be a 1500 combined yards guy. And I remember when he was coming, well, let me slow that down for a second. I remember when I thought he was going to be entering the draft, <laughs> like he was going to be my number two behind Jonathan Taylor. I was like, I liked ETN yeah. more than Swift and I liked Swift a lot, but I liked ETN a little bit more. So like, this is an exciting guy and, uh, you know, cue up the, uh, the office it's happening, Jeff, like, <laughs> I think it's happening here. Like if you've got him on your, your dynasty rosters, like you're not selling him, I don't think. And uh, it's, it's going to be really tough to buy him. Uh, and I, I like ETN a lot as well. I just still really like James Robinson though. So it's hard for me. Now, look, I do have ETN uh, higher. I got him at 22. Uh, I've got James Robinson at 30 currently uh, in ECR uh, among running backs. ETN is 13. Uh, and James Robinson is way down here at um, right now, 41. Uh, so obviously coming off an Achilles tear uh, is a big deal, but I'm encouraged by James Robinson not having to start in the pop. This guy's already been at a Pro Bowl level before, but ETN just has that giant, huge ceiling. Chad, what do you think about the situation uh, for Dynasty and for this year? Yeah, I'm a big James Robinson guy too. So I've been kind of clinging to that and that he's going to come back and and still be the starter. ETN's going to be that change of pace guy. But admittedly, I have been impressed with ETN. I think he he obviously has more upside with that pass catching. I mean, that's so valuable. But I think this offense could sneak up on some people. Um, you know, they got a, a real coach in there. Yes. I think Trevor Lawrence can can I mean he looked good. He looked real sharp in his, you know, preseason again. But um, I think he can really take a step and they've got some new weapons in there. I think this offense could sneak up and be good enough where both of those guys can have value and be sort of interchangeable. ETN gets, you know, most of the pass catching work, but Robinson, um, you know, works in and they, and they kind of split a lot of the other work. And I think they can both be supported if that happens. Um, 
I like ETN a lot in his pass catching, but RB 13 is rich. I, I struggle with that a little bit, but um, I can see the upside and in, in the path for sure. Yeah. And that's why I, I have him lower than consensus. Like I said, as a, you know, a low end RB two, instead of a high end RB two, um, you know, just because I think James Robinson is going to have a role here moving forward, but you can absolutely see that upside of ETN. He is fantastic. And we haven't seen anything from him uh, outside of this preseason. So it's exciting. It's exciting to see him finally get rolling. Uh, the last one I want to talk about, and y'all know where I stand on this, the Seahawks running back situation. I am a huge Kenneth Walker fan. I am not a Rashad Penny fan. So for me, it's fairly easy, but Penny looked good. Walker has been a little bit behind the eight ball in terms of getting snaps with those ones. Uh, we know he doesn't have a lot of pass catching experience, although Pollyanna Pete Carroll uh, says he they view him as a three down back and he's catching the ball in camp and he's amazing. And But that's Pete Carroll. Like everyone's amazing. Everyone's the best player he's ever seen. So you got to take what Pete Carroll says with a little bit of a grain of salt. So um, Fitz, I'll start with you because we've kind of hit this one ad nauseum. Uh, Walker over Penny and it's not close, correct? Oh, by a mile. And uh, yeah. like Walker's a terrific prospect too. And if Brees Hall hadn't been around, he very easily could have been the the top guy. Uh, we talked about it, like over 130 yards a game rushing at Michigan State last year. And uh, you didn't catch many passes, but that's kind of the Michigan State offense. You yes. Know, scored, scored a bunch of touchdowns. Um, and then fantastic combine. So this is same, a, a same for redraft for you too, Fitz. Like not just dynasty for this year too. Are you uh, are you drafting Walker or are you like avoiding the situation because the offense looks like a disaster? No, I've been drafting him pretty frequently because he's going like around running back thirty in redraft, yeah. and um, you know, and now we're already seeing Rashad Penny deal with a uh, tight groin, I believe is no the, the latest injury. So yes, um, as as good as Penny looked, I mean, to his credit. He was pretty fantastic down the stretch last year, but obviously, like, uh, he's had trouble holding up to the uh, brutality of the NFL game. So I think before long, there's going to be a major opportunity for Walker. And I think even if Penny is healthy, Walker's going to have a role. Yeah, I mean, I Walker is the guy here to me. Chad, um, you know, l- let's let's hear the dynasty take first and then the redraft take as well. Yeah, I think for Dynasty, I really like Walker. He was a guy, you know, coming into the NFL draft. I I flirted with the idea of putting him above Brees Hall. Of course I didn't. Uh, Hall's terrific. But I think just in terms of rushing, you know, just straight who looked better on tape as a rusher, I thought Kenneth Walker. Uh, I thought he had really good tape at Michigan State. I really liked him. Um, Rashad Penny, we kind of know the story, right? Yeah, we'll get those flashes, but we get the downside too. So definitely in on Walker um, in dynasty. I think in the short term, more redraft, I'm really avoiding it altogether. I know Pete Carroll has said Kenneth Walker is a, as a three down back, but I've also heard quotes and reports, et cetera, that they are going to use DJ Dallas and Travis Homer on third downs as their pass catching backs and then rotate uh, Penny and Walker on first and second down. So the theme here, I like a lot of these running backs we're discussing, but when a guy is only getting partial, you know, work of the first and second down role, I just, I don't see the upside in redraft. I mean, RB 30, maybe there's probably a few guys I would take over him still at at that point, but I really like Kenneth Walker, the player. And, you know, once this offense starts to get better, hopefully um, eventually, and, and he separates and Rashad Penny goes elsewhere. I think he could have a, have a really good career there. Yeah, and look, avoiding anything in Seattle does make sense this year. So uh, I've I've been taking Walker a couple times. I've taken Metcalf a couple times just because they fall low and the offense isn't good. But, uh, you know, it's... um, it's a risk. It's a risk investing in, in an offense that's going to be led by Geno Smith or Drew Locke. Either way, it's bad. So uh, it's it's uh, not a great situation there. I'd love for them to get, uh, you know, uh, Jimmy G, but tough to trade in the division. Don't think that's going to happen unless he gets cut. So that is everything for us today. He is Chad Workman. Follow him on the Twitter at Tweets by Chad. And Chad, please tell everyone where they can find all your great work and what you have coming up in the next couple of weeks here. Yeah, so you can find my work, obviously, here at Fantasy Pros. I'm writing a lot of like pre-draft, draft draft strategy kinds of content, so check that out. 
do some writing for Dynasty Nerds. And then, um, like we mentioned at the top, got a, uh, a brand called Filmalytics off the ground. So check that out. I'm doing a lot of best ball stuff there. I'll be writing a best ball uh, draft guide. And that'll be on our Patreon soon. So head on over and check out Filmalytics. Thank you for joining us at FitzFF, Pat Fitzmorris on the Twitter machine. Fitzy, obviously a lot of work coming up in August as the editor here at Fantasy Pros. You get to read a lot of articles uh, and, uh, you know, make sure they're all good before they go up. What else do we have uh, on the docket here? Oh man, just tons of content coming out at Fantasy Pros. This is our busiest busiest month as far as articles. And let's see, oh, I've got like four or five drafts going that I'm trying to juggle. It seems like I'm always on the clock somewhere. And, uh, you know, the, the other podcast bogs, uh, you know, unfortunately, I also moonlight just as you do, uh, at <laughs> fits on fantasy, which is usually out early every week. So, uh, some good guests coming up the next few weeks. Be sure to check that out. And you can find me on Twitter at fits underscore FF. And, uh, of course you can follow me on the Twitter at Bogman sports. You can find me here, uh, pretty soon. This show's going to be, we only got a couple episodes left before the regular season. We close down for the regular season. We'll come back uh, after the season, uh, hopefully here, but, uh, you know, I'm going to be doing an IDP show with Joe P. Zapia here at fantasy pros. I'm going to be having a college football show with Thor Nystrom as well for betting pros. So make sure you are tuned in to my Twitter to find out when those fire up as well. And all my stuff over at in this league. Um, you know, you can check that out in this league.com. Uh, we have fantasy football show where the great esteemed Pat Fitzmorris was one of our guests this week with Jake Seeley. That was a lot of fun. We talked, uh, a lot about uh, the preseason buzz and what's going on with all that stuff and a little bit of draft strategy as well. So please check that out if you would. And then it's going to wrap it up for us. We will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.